This is Feed, Play, Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. There are many things you will be told that will happen to you once you become a parent that you'd rather not know, like sleepless nights, or your child doing a punami in public while they're still a baby, or when they cough in your face. Some of these things bother people more than others. Nits were my most feared experience. If I'm honest, it's still one of my most feared experience. Everyone has a story of one family who couldn't get rid of lice and nits for months, sometimes even years. Deb McIntyre started a business called No Nits Now. She travels around helping families get rid of their nits and lice. Hi, Debbie. How are Hi. you? I always forget. What's the difference between lice and nits? So the nits are the eggs and the lice are the bugs. Yeah, the bugs. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> how does one start a business? Quite by accident. People. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my dream when I grow up. <laughs> I want to be a nit picker. No, it wasn't like that at all. We were living overseas in New York City. And my kids had never had lice. And then one day, the scratching started and my daughter said, can you ever look in my hair? She was about 11. Yeah. And when I looked, I actually recoiled. Oh, no. It was so bad. But at that age, they're quite independent. So they're washing their hair by themselves. They're brushing their hair and putting it in a ponytail for school. So you're not there. And if you've never had them... You're not looking for them. So it had never been an experience. It wasn't even on my radar. And then I looked at the other two children and they had them too. Oh. And then I had them. Oh. So I rushed to the chemist. I bought all the stuff. I sat in the bath. I combed, 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 combed. I went back out in the sunlight. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's still full of eggs. I can still see it. I went back and did it again. Then I Googled. So I covered their hair in olive oil. Today, the myth is coconut oil, cause, but it was back then, it was olive oil. And I wrapped it in glad wrap to suffocate them, which is a myth, by the way, because the lice have loads of breathing holes all over their bodies. So they're not actually able to be suffocated. So that's not, that didn't work. Then I heard poured listerine over their head. So I did that. I laid them in the bath with the screaming. That stuff is brutal. So I poured listerine over their head. I poured Coke over their head. I got a hair straightener. That's also a myth because you can't get close enough to the scalp where the lice and the nits are to actually effectively kill them all. And at the end of this, I went out onto the stoop, onto the little steps in front of our brownstone and cried. Because you I don't imagine <laughs> you don't cry in front of your kids, right? We try and hold it together. Yeah. So I just went outside for some air, and my neighbour saw me across the stoop, and she's like, "Hey, lady, what's going on?" Because it's Brooklyn, New York City. I'm like, "Oh, my kids have lice. That's what they call it over there." Oh, don't worry about it. You've got to go to the Brooklyn nitpicker. I'm like, who is this? Why did I not know before <laughs> all of what I just did? Tell me. So I rush over and I get the number and I call and catch Subway down to Brooklyn Heights. And here is this lady and she's like third generation and they just do it in their home. And she did myself and my daughter. And I'm a bit of a do-it-myself person. If it makes sense, I like to know how to do it. And I figured this won't be the last time I have nits. And I was watching her. 
and she just had a big bottle of Pantene conditioner and she's combing using this really great comb. And I went, that makes sense. She's not killing anything. She's just removing the problem from the head. And I went, right. So I went home not knowing anything about head lice. She didn't educate. She just did the job. And I combed my family every day for a week and it was gone. Oh, my goodness, I was so relieved. And then when we moved back to Australia, one of my mum friends whispered to me, I'm just letting you know my daughter's got nits. And I was filled with that horror, like, no, 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 never again. This can never, ever (laughs) happen to me again. So I was like, bring her over. I'll do it for you. And if you can imagine a friend say that to you, I'll do it. You're like, yeah. And she was like, that's amazing. And then she told a friend. Uh And then she came over and after doing about five friends, I went, I don't want to do this for nothing. I could start a little business. I was at home. My kids were still fairly little. So that was in Western Australia. So I started a business where people came to my home. And when we moved back to Sydney, I've been doing a mobile service ever since. And from that point when I combed my friend's child to when I started my business, I researched and did. And then I've been doing my business now for eight years. So over the years, I've realized this is how it works. This is how it doesn't work. This is a myth. I have two friends whose girls are slightly older than my kids, whose children are. And I remember distinctly where I was. I know what bar we were sitting in. And they said to me, blah, 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 knits. And I was just horrified. I'm like, Mm. that doesn't still happen. And my friend said, you have no idea. They are so... Uh, prevalent everywhere yeah, and so resistant to anything you do to them. (laughs) Has this been an evolution or have lice always been this hardy? It's twofold. So many years ago when I was at school, if someone had head lice or was suspected of having head lice, they were removed from the classroom. They were sent to the office lady or the nurse if you had a school with a nurse And they were often looked through and if something was found, they were sent home or they were even sent home as a precaution and told you had nits. Then the chemicals they used probably weren't safe. (laughs) So over a period of time now, we say, oh, those chemicals that were used in the 60s, 70s and 80s, they were really harmful. So they've been made safe, but safe enough for for the lice as well. So back to the point about schools. So a long time ago... um, it came into vogue. We got a bit more PC. We are a little bit more um, sensitive about people's feelings, perhaps, and we don't want to discriminate against even those that have head lice, which in my opinion is ridiculous. If someone comes to school with hand, foot and mouth or a big, green, sneezy, snotty nose, they shouldn't be at school. And if you've got an active case of head lice, you shouldn't be at school because we've got kids in the classroom that are not being sent home. So there's lots more head-to-head contact with people that have head lice. So we're never getting rid of it because we keep spreading it around. The second reason is because I mentioned the products that we used to use, but it's a little bit like the superbugs in the hospitals. So as they've become more, you know, um, the build up a resistance to the drugs and what have you, as have our lice build up re- resistance. And they're trying to bring out more stuff, but I'm just not finding them to be effective. It would be a very rare case that I would come through and treat a client that I don't find live lice, even if they've been treated within the last seven days. Right. So with that in mind, um, you mentioned that where you went in New York, she just had like a pump thing of Pantene conditioner. (laughs) 
Um, so should we go into how you get rid of nits or do you want to tell – does it make more sense to explain the life cycle? I'll start with the life cycle because then it makes more sense. So when you first get head lice – so first of all, lice don't jump, they don't fly. It's head-to-head contact only or brush-to-head, hat-to-head, lounge-to-head – They don't want to live off the head. They can't. They can survive off the head for up to two to three days. However, if a pregnant female louse came off the head, so it's one louse, two lice. If a pregnant female louse came off the head and was on the little beanbag at school or on the couch or on a hairbrush, and then you put that onto your head or on a hat, you would now have head lice. So it starts off with one pregnant female louse. And that louse, as a full adult from the time they develop into adulthood to when they die, is about 7 to 10 days. So assuming it's lived happily for at least a few days on the host, maybe up to 7 or 8 days on the original host, when it's transferred, however it's transferred with a little cuddle or a book, looking at a book together or looking at a phone or however it happens, just small children have no personal space, so they can just be lining up for the classroom. (laughs) And one has crawled on, it might only be on your head for three days before it dies. It might be up there for the full time. You could get unlucky and it's only just mated and it's starting to lay and it comes on to you instantly. But most times it's living happily on the host and then inadvertently you might get that first adult for only two or three days. In which case you may not even notice your child or yourself itching because they itch for two or three days and you're like, are you itchy? And they're, uh, maybe. So then you have a look and you don't see anything, the old look. I had a good look, but I didn't see anything. I hear that probably 20 times a week. So once you've had a good look, what you're looking for is one louse in millions of hairs. And they are designed to walk on the human head. So they've got claws on the end of their legs, so they're very quick. When you're looking to the left, they're moving to the right and vice versa. So that's how. So then that louse lays three to ten eggs a day for up to seven to ten days. But if it's only on your head towards the end of its life cycle, you might only get four eggs, six eggs, ten eggs. So two or three days later, are you still itchy? No. Oh, phew. I thought we had nits. But really, that adult louse has just died. It's come off in the shower. It's dead. It's gone. But meanwhile, we have the new eggs incubating. And the lice lay the eggs two to five mil from the scalp because it's the perfect temperature to incubate their eggs. Then those eggs incubate for seven to ten days later and out hatches these tiny little nymphs, these little specks with legs that you will not see with the naked eye looking into someone's scalp. What they leave behind is the empty eggshell. So that knit, which is the egg, which held that little baby louse, stays on your hair forever. It will never come off unless you pull it off with your fingernails, comb it out with a comb or cut your hair off or the hair fell out. And over time, that little egg casing changes from color from like a dark brown and it gets paler like a dry flaky bit of skin and it stays stuck to the hair shaft so as your hair grows it would appear that the egg casing is moving down the hair shaft but it's just the length of your hair grows and that's why when people assume that the eggs are white so Ah. over time the eggs the empty eggshells turn white they're harmless they're empty so then those babies that were born They take seven to ten days to mature into adult 
egg-laying creatures. So in that seven to ten days, your little child's going to be itching. But you might be looking for three, four, ten babies to adolescents. And as you're looking, you can't see anything. So now they're adults and they'll mate. And then they'll be on the head for seven to ten days laying eggs. Now this is, if you think about it, it's taken seven to ten days to hatch, one week. Seven to ten days to grow into an egg-laying adult, week two. Seven to ten days to grow, to, to lay all their eggs and then die. That's three to four weeks that you haven't even noticed that your mm-hmm. child has head lice. But now with the four adults potentially mating and laying three to ten eggs a day, we might have 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 eggs. <laughs> And this is, I know, and this is when people start to notice because suddenly we can see. Oh, gosh. So they might see one or two lice, but actually there are a lot more. So that's the life cycle. That's the life cycle. It sounds like you'll never get rid of them. Oh, it's not that hard to get rid of. It's really not. So what do you do? Like if if you can't actually see them, but you've been told there's cases at school or it might be just rampant at your school or daycare. Um, does it matter if you can see them or not? Can no. you just yes. get in there? <laughs> so I always tell people, once I've treated them, I always tell people, if your child is itching, it's probably not dry scalp. But if they're itching and it's ongoing, don't look, just comb. And the only way that you'll be able to tell if you actually have lice is to comb. So when I get a client that says, oh, I just want you to check, I'm like, we don't do checks because it's a false sense of comfort. Mm. I can check and say, I don't see anything. And you're like, oh, phew, the expert's checked and she hasn't even seen anything. Well, I won't see anything. So we comb. And I'm, I can't tell you the amount of times I've combed and found one adult and six eggs. Now, we never would have found that yeah. if we didn't comb. Or you find like, you know, 30 babies and 30 egg casings. And it's like, right, the adult's out of here. It's gone. But this is what it laid and this is where we're at. I don't know if I'm blind or not, but I just feel like, how do you know when you describe that life cycle of yep. the lies? I think, wow, there's just so many tiny little eggs in like that you, you say, could all miss. That he- yeah, exactly. And that's why I tell every client to do it again in five to seven days. So I'm really passionate about educating people, which is why I have the videos up there for free, because... There's no way, like we're human, so you could miss one. But also, during the week, you could get it back from that child that gave it to you in the first place. Or maybe your child got out of the shower after you combed them and they used the same towel and there could have been a louse on that. There's all these opportunities for you to potentially get it back the next week. So what I I tell every client, you do it again in five to seven days. And that way, you'll be able to tell if it's a new infestation or something you missed. If you missed an egg, probably within that five to seven days, it will have hatched because they take seven to ten days. So therefore, unless you missed the one the day it was, you know, it was laid. So when you comb in five to seven days, if you find a baby or a baby in an egg casing, you're like, that's one I missed. That would be nearly impossible to catch from someone else. The babies stay very close to the scalp where it's warm. They're like a newborn baby. They need warmth and regular food and they feed on your blood. They bite you like a flea or a mosquito. So they're not the ones crawling around on the outside of your hair so much where people actually can (laughs) see them around, you know, hanging around. So 
when you're combing again in five to seven days, if you find a baby or an adolescent, which is the translucent louse, it's not as big or as dark as an adult, which is more black, dark brown. It's a translucent, light brown kind of color. That's probably a baby you missed five to seven days because of the life cycle. If you missed a baby and you did it again in five to seven days and they take seven to 10 days to become adults, that's probably what you've got. So then you can tell if you found five babies and five adolescents, you're like, oh my gosh, that's five eggs and five babies I've missed. It's not the end of the world because they haven't mated. We're not back to square one. You don't need to throw in the towel. You just put it in your calendar to do it again in five to seven days in case you miss something. Have you ever been tempted to tell someone just to cut their hair? Because I, like I said, my daughter's got very long hair and it just took so long mm. to get that comb through. Having nice, um, healthy ends actually makes a big difference. The length of the hair doesn't worry me because when you're combing, whether or not if you're starting, if you can imagine putting the comb in the scalp, if you have to stop at 10 centimetres down because that's how long the, sh- the hair is, or an extra 20 centimetres, it makes no difference. The mistake I find people make is they chop their hair into a really cute page boy or bob, and then you can't tie it back. So I find that really sad (laughs) because you want to, if you do want to cut it because you find that managing the hair quite difficult, I would always cut it long enough for the whole bit to be tied nice and neat back into a ponytail because all the stray bits, all the flyaways act as like a bridge. So the louse can just wander along your flyaways and then little Sally next to you has flyaways and it's just moving on like a bridge to the next person. (laughs) So if we can try, and that's why people say tie your hair back. It's not going to guarantee you not getting a head lice. If you wore a swimming cap on your kid's head to school, guaranteed you won't get head lice. (laughs) But they won't have any friends either. So that's a problem. We'll be back with Deb McIntyre right after this. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club. Come on, we've all been there. We've all pushed oh. our children's poo <laughs> down, down the, the drain <laughs> of the shower or bath. One that only other parents and carers can truly understand. The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for the Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. I haven't actually asked you um, how you go about removing the yep. lice. You, we did talk about the conditioner. Yes. And you talked about all the products you've seen people use yeah. that don't work. Yeah. So um, to actually get rid of the nits, apart from doing it regularly, yeah. the doing it part, yes. you say to do it with conditioner, is that correct? Yes. And do you say of any particular colour? Well, white, as long as, yeah, as long as you can see it on paper. The mistake people make is they get a whole bottle of conditioner and they pour it straight on their child's head. So we're now dealing with a big, white, sloppy mess. So I start, when I do a client, I start with dry hair. But if you're not used to, like a hairdresser is really good at separating hair and then untangling, they're really good at that. If it's a bit tricky for you or your daughter's hair is a bit trickier or son, if they've got long hair, you can damp it up with a bit of water. So you get a spray gun and spray it up. Then get a couple of pumps of conditioner and rub them between your hands like the hairdressers did in the 80s with mousse and feed that through the hair and then give it a good brush. So now you're dealing with not wet hair. It shouldn't make the back of their shirt wet. If the back of the shirt wet, it's too wet. So it's just nice and slippery. It's a bit greasy. 
you've combed it through or given it a good brush so there's no knots in it. So we're starting with no knots and a bit of conditioner so it feels a bit slimy. Then I always start at the bottom of the of the nape of the neck and tie the rest up. If they've got a lot of hair, it's always much easier to start with doing like a half up, getting rid of the top part of the hair and starting from the bottom. And then you're just putting a blob of conditioner on each row close to the scalp. There's no point loading up that conditioner all the way down to the ends because as you're combing, the action of the comb will drag that conditioner down there anyway. And it's hard to explain in a podcast exactly what to do, but I do we'll have videos. We'll put links to the videos. Yeah, so, so that's... Copy. Um, look, before I let you go, there's two questions I have if you could answer. The first one is the myths yes. that aren't true. And the second one is what do we need to do in terms of washing? Yeah. The cleaning, yeah, yeah, sure. So the myths, okay, um, the myths, check behind the ears, nape of the neck and the crown of the head because that's where they lay. No, that's not true. <laughs> they can lay there and they do lay there, but that's just where you can see with your eyes. So people are assuming that if they can't see them behind the back of the, ne- the ears, the nape of the neck and the crown, we don't have them. But that possibly means they've just laid other places. They don't automatically go to the nape of the neck or behind the ears. I've done plenty of children that as you have a good look before you start, as I'm separating the hair, I don't see anything. And then as I'm combing, I see hundreds. So just the looking in itself is a myth. Just comb it because a stitch in time, as Granny says, saves nine. If you comb when you suspect you might have it, you're going to have a much better chance of not having it six weeks down the track. Some of the other myths are tea tree oil and lavender oil in the mix of oils. And look, I won't say it doesn't work exclusively. I can only speak from my experience. And my experience is I have done countless clients that reek of tea tree lavender. They've used it every day and they have head lice. So to me, it's like using Aerogard in the jungle. It is not effective the lice, if you cover yourself in tea tree, unless you're fully massaging it onto the scalp, which is where the lice go to feed and lay their eggs. And even then, I I just think that the lice are a little, they just don't care. They don't care. And I can only say that because I've done so many clients that I'm like, wow, you're really going to town with that tea tree. And then people that have never had lice will swear that they've never had it because of those products. But my thing is you're just lucky enough not to have a close friend with head-to-head contact that's had lice. So that's kind of a two thing. What are some of the other? Oh, that you can suffocate them, the coconut oil um, that will slide them off and all that kind of the, the eggs are not slid off by anything. If that was to work, wow, wouldn't that be brilliant? That would be so easy. I'd use that. But we use the conditioner not to loosen the glue. I haven't found that there's any product on the market that loosens the glue. Um, we use the conditioner just to make the process feel nice for the child and the adult that to slide the comb through just makes it nice. So that's why I believe that you can get rid of it with just a good comb, a good metal long tooth comb and conditioner. And um, the cleaning part, how much do yep. you have to read? So the cleaning is important because the lice can survive off the head for up to two to three days, right? So they don't want to, it's suicide for the lice to leave the head. If they don't get back to a host, they will die. However, as I said before, if you're lying down in your bed and then you go back to your bed 24 hours later and you did leave a louse on there, it can easily crawl back on. It's not like a bed bug or a cockroach or an ant that's running away 
it's not in its natural habitat to be off the head. So generally, where you left it, it would be within a small circumference of where you left it. So it's not, they're not breeding in your furniture. They can't lay eggs anywhere else. They're just surviving until they get hopefully back on in their, in their minds, back onto a host. So in terms of the cleaning, you can do four things. First of all, you can wash. You don't necessarily need to wash in boiling hot water. We've got to distinguish that we're killing an insect, not a germ. We're not in a hospital. We're not sterilizing. We're not dealing with germs. We're dealing with an insect. So I often tell clients that are on, they're just on edge, just replace the louse in your mind with an ant. Okay, let's pretend there's an ant on your couch or on your bed linen, right? It feel, it's a little nicer to think of an ant. Yes. <laughs> so if we washed, if we chucked a washing a, a pillowcase with an ant on it, we wouldn't necessarily want to boil it. And we would probably assume by the time it came out of the wash that it would be dead and sitting on the line. And generally, we've got more than one pillowcase. So if we are washing the sheets, we're generally getting a new set of sheets from the cupboard and popping it straight onto the bed. So in that case, from the wash onto the line and then back into your cupboard, those sheets won't be used for another week or so anyway. The other thing that you can do is you can put things in a hot dryer for 20 minutes. So the heat itself, you don't even have to wash it. So if you just washed your towels yesterday and you're thinking, oh my gosh, somebody's got lies, grab all your towels, chuck them in a hot dryer, fluff them all up 20 minutes and put them back. They'll be fine. You can also vacuum. So if there was an ant on your couch, and you va- it would vacuum up. So they don't burrow underneath the furnishings or they're not, they're not like that. So it would just be sitting on top. So you can vacuum pieces of furniture. You can vacuum the school hat. You can vacuum where they've done cartwheels. You can vacuum any item. You don't need to vacuum the mattress protector. You don't need to wash the pillows themselves. We're just getting rid of the insect that may or may not be, probably not, even on your furnishings. With brushes, take all the hair out boil the kettle, pour some boiling water over the brush. Don't share hairbrushes. Most people wait till they have lice until they stop sharing hairbrushes. Just think of it like a toothbrush. Get some lunchbox labels with their names on it and stick a label on everybody's brush and teach them from a young age we don't share brushes. And the third thing or fourth thing that you can do, I think it is we're up to, is quarantine. So if we've got a million soft toys and I just can't get my head around doing the washing, it's pouring with rain, I've got blankets or some gorgeous, lovely mohair blanket that I don't know what to do with that, quarantine it. Get a garbage bag, stick all the stuff that you don't know what to do with, tie a little knot, chuck it in your garage. In five times time, if there was a live louse, and that's if, remember, they don't want to be on your mohair rug, but if it was, it would be dead. So then you can just bring them back in the house. You don't need to do anything. You are so wise. I feel like you need your own channel TV, you know, channel show where it's just going around telling everyone how to get rid of lice. Deb, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) That's Deb McIntyre from No Knits Now. It's a Sydney-based knit removal service. But as I mentioned, Deb has lots of great instructional videos on how to get rid of knits. And we'll put links to all of those in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch... Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.